I'm Laura Farrar. On today's Capitol and Scott, it's all about midterm elections. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is Arkansas's first female governor. The legalization of recreational marijuana did not pass here, and the GOP continued to hold its supermajority in the state legislature. Skip Rutherford, who is the Dean Emeritus of the Clinton School of Public Service in Little Rock, joins me today to talk about state and national results. Dean Rutherford was a key advisor for former President Bill Clinton's presidential campaigns and is nothing short of an expert election commentator. All right, uh, so Skip, welcome to the show. I hope that you are... Feeling okay this morning after a really interesting and probably late night for you. I was up until about 2.30. Let's start first with Arkansas and what the elections, um, what happened here. With the governor, obviously we now have Sarah Huckabee Sanders as the first female governor of the state, which is big news and and that's great. Chris Jones came in with about 35% of the votes here in Arkansas. What's your analysis of how that that race went? Well, statewide, Arkansas has... uh further entrenched itself as a GOP state. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, you know, congrats to, to Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, on her win. Becomes the first father-daughter team ever to be governors of Arkansas. So that's a, that's a monumental step. And I give her credit for running a campaign. Some people disagreed with how she did it and said she wasn't accessible enough. But clearly, um, the results prove otherwise, that she uh, was right on target for the campaign. The most interesting thing about that race, Lord, didn't surprise me as much as maybe others. But the interesting thing that we saw last night, and we have to study it more, was the very stark difference between the Arkansas vote and the Pulaski County vote. Uh, Arkansas was very red. Pulaski County was very blue. And when you look at that, it is Pulaski County and particularly the city of Little Rock. And I haven't broken down the Little Rock precincts, but Pulaski County numbers uh, almost reverse of what Sarah Huckabee got statewide. So what you're seeing is this island in this sea of red and you've got Pulaski County, and you've got Jefferson County, and you've got a couple of more along the Delta, and then you have the city of Fayetteville. And that is interesting because in Pulaski County, and particularly Little Rock, what you saw was, I mean, again, with a Republican sweep, they have, I believe it's 83-17 in the House and uh, 29-6 in the state Senate, so it's a big Republican win statewide. But in Little Rock... Uh, Andrew Collins, tough Republican opponent, wins handily. Natalie Capps, tough Republican opponent for JP, wins handily. Kathy Lewison, West Little Rock, uh, JP, wins handily, Democrat. Uh, Ashley Hudson, state rep, West Little Rock, wins handily as a Democrat. So it really is like two worlds. And local people won. Eric Higgins won a big race re-elected as sheriff of Pulaski County. So, yes, Republicans did well statewide. But if you are a Democrat and you are watching that, you have to be very 
pleased about what happened in Pulaski County. Do you think it's more pronounced this election season than previous ones? Well, no, I, I think it's continued. Uh, w- one of the things that, that I looked back on was the 2016 presidential election in which President Trump defeated Hillary Clinton, I think, 61-34 statewide. But Hillary Clinton came back and uh, carried Pulaski County like 56-38, carried Little Rock, the city of Little Rock, by about 65%. That split has been going on. But in this particular election, and I will move into that, with the influence of the Huckabees supporting Steve Landers for mayor, there were some people that thought, well, this is going to make Little Rock or Pulaski County not as blue as it was, and that did not turn out to be the case. Right. So since we're on the, the subject of mayor, Frank Scott won again for the Little Rock mayoral race. I think that people were a little bit surprised about that, especially given what's been going on in Little Rock with crime, and his office has had some sort of issues lately that have been quite public. What's your take on on what did happen with Landers? Was it other political influence It's behind him, or... or- why is this important? Well, I think, again, like you, I, 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 I'm working on not a lot of sleep, just a lot of research. And, and But but I, w- I would say three or four observations. One, Little Rock stayed blue. <laughs> and while the mayor's race is technically nonpartisan, uh, the fact that the, the Huckabees got involved in supporting Steve Landers and it became very clear that the Republican leadership was for Steve Landers. And I think a lot of Democrats who may have been disenchanted with Frank Scott basically said, whoa, we're going to come home. We're going to vote for him uh, because we now see Republican influence in this race. I think that happened. The second thing that happened is that people have underestimated the Frank Scott political organization. You can talk about Frank's record. You can talk about his problems, you can talk about his issues, but he he obviously has a very strong political network as a candidate. He doesn't do as well like on his tax campaign with his issues, but as a as an individual candidate, he does pretty well. And and the caveat of that, or the thing to remember, is his advocate won a city board race. Incumbent Doris Wright, who was not a Frank Scott supporter, was defeated. So Frank Scott not only won the mayorship, but he he brought a new city board member along with him. So I I think people underestimate the strength of that. Frank Scott, based on my early, won the early vote by about 4,700 votes. And if that's the case, he won Election Day vote by 2,300 votes. So his 7,000 vote victory was pretty substantial. And one final point. Steve Landers ran a good campaign. I, I would be the first to say that. I mean, he, he hammered the crime issue. He hammered, you know, change. Uh, he, I think he ran a, a good campaign. He spent a million dollars, roughly a million dollars. That's the most spent in a mayor's race in a long time. Frank Scott, despite all the criticism of him, was out there working the grassroots, working his people. And as Tommy Robinson used to describe white Democrats in the Heights and Hillcrest and West Little Rock. Tommy Robinson would call people limousine liberals. That was the Tommy Robinson description. I think a lot of limousine liberals, not enough to carry those areas, but a lot of limousine liberals went in and voted for Frank Scott. Right. 
any other races in the state that you would like to highlight that were uh, interesting to you? I mean, obviously, a lot of Republicans are, are celebrating this morning. Um, you know, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette actually endorsed Pam Whitaker, who's a Democrat. She ran for state treasurer. She lost to former state representative Mark Lowry. I think that was a bit of a surprise. I think that the Democrats had hoped that she was going to win and felt like she might going into this, but she didn't pull it off. Well, I think you can say this, that the election, Chris Jones was a heck of a candidate. And I think uh, even people that didn't vote for him were impressed with his candidacy. He's a class act, smart guy, good future. It didn't matter if you had R by your name. It didn't matter whether you were a Mark Lowry or a Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Statewide, you were going to win. And I don't think that's a reflection on Chris or on Pam Whitaker. I think it's the sign of the times statewide. Now, you could also argue that John Wycliffe was a very good candidate against Andrew Collins in the Heights-Foxcroft area of the city for state representative. And the Democrat Andrew Collins won handily. So it just shows you the partisanship. Do you think there's anything that the Democrats can do in the next two years before the next election? Statewide? Statewide. Well, uh, well there won't. Luckily for the Democrats, there's not going to be a the four-year term, so nobody will be up and you'll have a presidential election. Again, I think you have to just take it one step at a time. What we saw in this election, and again, I haven't studied it, but Fayetteville apparently voted Democratic. Washington County was close being Democrat. The county judge in Washington County, Republican, I think won with 52% of the vote. So I think you're seeing some movement in some parts of the state, um, but it, it's not going to come soon. So we had several, or actually four, ballot issues that um, probably the most notable one that voters have heard about is the recreational marijuana. It did not pass. I think people are surprised about that or maybe not surprised. What is your take on what happened with that? You know, I don't really know. About a month ago, I would have predicted that it was going to win. But clearly, people got out there, opposition got out there, both on the left and on the right. And there was a coalition of progressives and far-right supporters, uh, religious rights supporters, that came together to beat it. So it's interesting, it passed in Missouri. But I'm told, and again, need to do more research, that there wasn't much organized opposition in Missouri. Uh, it, it got beat, it passed in Maryland, it got beat in North Dakota and South Dakota. So yeah, I think the organized opposition uh, made, made a big difference. The one that, that I thought might be closer than it was was the Amendment 2 that would have required a 60% margin to pass initiatives. And that went down big, again, uh, despite very strong support from Sarah Sanders, Asa Hutchinson, Tom Cotton, the Arkansas Farm Bureau. Uh, It went down very big. People in Arkansas like to have the citizens' initiatives. Even if they vote them down, they won't have the opportunity to vote on them. And We've seen that with the one-eight-cent tax for parks and tourism and game and fish. We saw it with minimum wage. We saw it with the lottery. We saw it with medical marijuana. And we may see it again in 2024 if there is a new recreational marijuana initiative or others. So that one, I thought, given the conservative nature of the state, might have an opportunity to pass, but it got blown out. 
Yeah, and I find that really surprising and sometimes how you just really can't predict certain things because with all the conservative support, it's to me, I thought that one would actually pass. So it's surprising that voters didn't go for that one. I don't know if there was a misunderstanding or they did understand it, but it's it's interesting to you me. You know, it's a good point. Uh, a lot of people apparently just went in and voted no on all of them, though Amendment 3, the, the Religious Freedom Amendment, uh, as of this broadcast, is still uh, fairly close and, and could go either way. Yeah, it was interesting because, again, remember the other race of noted about partisans that some attempted to make the Supreme Court race uh, between Justice Robin Wynn and Judge Chris Carnahan as a Democrat-Republican vote when they're nonpartisan, but they attempted to, to make it. And I thought, uh, given the conservative nature of the state and the fact that, uh, as we see, uh, the margins that Republicans statewide ended. But Justice Wynn won handily. So the independence of the Arkansas voter still remains. Right. So local issues, there was um, something really interesting up in Jonesboro in that area with uh, the public libraries, and it passed to cut funding, I believe, to the public libraries in Jonesboro is in Craighead County, right? You're from right. that area, so you you know. Um, what what happened, and what do you think this means? Well, I, I think this is one to watch. Basically, what happened was that a combination of anti-tax and a combination of we don't like what the library is doing, read books and programming, and so we're going to cut your millage in half. And they got it on the ballot, and by a pretty good margin countywide and a slim margin citywide, they did that. So they reduced library millages. And, you know, I think that other libraries have got to take a look at that and, and be prepared that people who could take that to other areas of the state, and we may see more library issues on the ballot in the future. Right. I mean, I read some of the coverage of it, and I think this was an issue that was sort of missed on a state level. A lot of people don't know that this was happening up in northeastern Arkansas, but I think they're going to have to, like, close the libraries. I, I read someone saying that it might result in closing of a public library or two. Uh, they may have to close, <clears throat> again, I've just read some of it as well. They may have to close some of the maybe branch libraries. I, I don't know that. I hope not. But in many communities, you grew up in, in Hot Springs. I grew up in Batesville. And the, the public library has always been a source of really great information. Now it's where a lot of people who don't have computers or internet can can use computers and can access uh, e-books and other things. So this could have a, an additional impact. I, I do think Jonesboro is a unique situation, but most people love their local libraries and, and appreciate the service they provide. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capital and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. 
With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. Moving to national analysis, a lot of people were expecting this kind of red wave um, across the country. The Republicans were really going to sweep it, that the Democrats were going to lose the House of Representatives by like a landslide, but that hasn't really happened. What what do you think is we're seeing the results still coming in that we're learning so far about voters for this midterm election? Well, first of all, let's let's start with number one. Regardless of whether it was a wave or a small stream of water, whatever you want to call it, the Republicans look like they're going to control the House of Representatives. And if all things happen, Kevin McCarthy's going to be the next Speaker of the House. Now, that is significant. Does he have the majority and did he get the overwhelming numbers that he projected, thought, and counted on? No. But he's going to walk in with a slim majority. What that number is will have to play out over the next several days. So that's a significant move. Uh, They only needed five seats, and it was an expected move. Uh, Presidential parties usually get get defeated in midterms. Uh, Clinton did, lost a bunch of seats. Obama did, lost a bunch of seats. Trump did, lost a bunch of seats. So it's not unusual. But it is significant that in this particular case, the House changes hands from uh, Democrat to Republican. So let's don't underestimate the significance of that. The second thing is that the Senate, uh, as we're recording this, uh, is still up in the air and may be headed to a runoff in Georgia to determine the final outcome. So uh, it's still in play. Bottom line is Republicans get the House Bottom line, Senate's still in play. And bottom line, that it could have been a lot worse for the Democrats. So why wasn't it a lot worse, do you think? What brought people... I mean, I, then this, there was like record voter turnout for this election. Sometimes midterms, people are kind of like, ah, maybe, you know, I'll sit this one out. But no, people came out to vote. Well, in some cases, again, uh, the pollsters had it wrong. And we've seen that in past elections. Not all pollsters had it wrong. So I'm not throwing a blanket thing. But in some cases, many people thought, well, this is going to be a wave and everybody's going to, this is going to be a significant loss. What, what we saw, I think, was we, in my opinion, we would have had a Republican wave. We were headed to a Republican wave until Roe v. Wade was overturned. It completely transformed the election. It transformed it. First of all, Kansas voted to enshrine abortion by a 59-41 vote. But what it did nationally, and particularly in the swing states, young women registered in 
numbers. We had a lot of women, people, young people, 18 to 29 year olds played a big, big role in this election. Uh, I mean, it's very, even though they don't vote as, as percentage high as, as older voters, they tend to vote and they vote overwhelmingly demo, Democratic when they do vote. And they tend to vote on issues that impact them personally, like abortion. So I think what happened was that while everyone was talking about inflation and the economy, and should be, they're still, they show up in the polls, the number one issue. A lot of young women who had registered and who emotionally had registered saying, I'm, I'm going to vote at this time, they may not have been championed abortion for the last four or five months, but when they went into the polls, it was on their mind. And abortion became a much more significant uh, exit poll issue for people. So I think that made a big difference. Second thing is, Joe Biden's final speech before the election was about election integrity. And a lot of people in the state of our democracy, a lot of people poo-pooed that and said, oh, he should be talking about economics and gasoline. Well, if he'd done that, he'd been playing right to the other side. So what he said to Democratic-based voters was, this may not be the number one issue on your mind, but let me tell you something. There are a bunch of election deniers out there. And while Donald Trump, he didn't say this, but while Donald Trump is not on the ballot in 22, he really is on the ballot. And you've got elections with secretaries of states and election deniers in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Nevada, Arizona. You know, you all better look at this because this is a big issue. And you know what? They looked at it. And if you look at the governors and the secretaries of states in those battleground states, Biden's message was effective. Many of the election deniers lost. Not not all, but many of the election deniers lost. So Biden, despite his low popularity numbers, had an enormous impact in states that are going to matter in 2024. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I mean, I was reading some analysis this morning in the New York Times that the Democrats sort of used a scorched earth policy, taking advantage of these candidates who are election deniers and really playing up the fact that they, you know, still are saying that the 2020 election was fake. And it was kind of a, um, a, a way in which to repudiate Trump and these candidates at the same time. And, and I'm just surprised that it worked to this degree. Yeah, I think when, you know, again, every election is different. So people want to draw conclusions and say, well, when Clinton lost all those, uh, Democrats lost those seats in Clinton's first term, I said, oh, he's not going to get reelected. Well, he got reelected. When Obama lost all those seats in his first term, I said, oh, he's not going to get reelected. And he got reelected. And everybody thought, okay, Biden's going to take a shellacking. And he didn't take a shellacking. You can't read too much into that into 2024 because it'll be a whole different scenario. And, you know, you're going to have Republicans in control of the House, which means you can't blame everything on Biden anymore. And if you shut down the government, you're going to have some of the responsibility of that as well. But what I think it says about 2024, and again, every election's different, is that a lot of Republicans, the, the aura of Donald Trump was diminished. And if there was a winner on the Republican side in this election, and there were several winners, and I give Kevin McCarthy, he's going to be Speaker of the House, so let's don't underestimate that. Ron DeSantis was a winner. And now, 
Trump has already called him Ron DeSanctimonious. And uh, Trump's scheduled to make an announcement next weekend about running for president, which is basically, in my opinion, to try to get DeSantis out of the race. It'd be interesting to see what happens over the next seven to 10 days. But um, I don't know whether the Trump following is going to be as strong as it was. But I will say that in 2024, as you look, and again, every election is different. As you look, Pennsylvania is going to have a secretary of state that's not an election denier. Michigan went solid Democratic. Uh, It looks like both Arizona and Nevada very well could elect secretaries of state that are uh, Democrats. So uh, this anti-Trump thing showed up and the DeSantis people and others will be noticing that. Right. And again, so DeSantis, the win was, uh, he's obviously the governor of Florida again, was he flipped Miami-Dade County, which is a big deal. uh, Yeah. I I mean, look, Florida moved from purple to red. I mean, th- that was another impact of, the, of this election. And let me tell you, who does that help? DeSantis. Because he's going to get credit for flipping Miami-Dade. And he should. Whether you agree with him or not, he should. He should get credit. But he certainly came out of this stronger. Now, Trump, as we know, has a way of, as he did little Marco, Lion Ted, no energy jab, he doesn't want McConnell to be Senate uh, leader. I mean, he has a tendency, he's blasting Joe O'Day, the guy lost in Colorado. Now he was criticizing Oz. I mean, Trump has a way of this sort of politics of personal destruction. And so we'll see how that works with DeSantis. It will put a lot of people on the Republican side in a really awkward situation because you have Trump, the standard bearer, and many owe a lot of, to him. And you have DeSantis is the one that they say, well, he he might could win. So it's gonna, that was going to be one to watch. But even though in Florida, you still had this 25-year-old Generation Z uh, Democrat win some election. Um, I don't have it in front of yeah. me. But it's just, uh, to me, it's just you have these little kind of flushes of, of difference within a state that just went completely red. Miami-Dade is, you know, very diverse community. So it's just I don't know if you felt if you were aware of that candidate or not, but it just seems interesting. Yes, I am. And I don't know much about him, but he's 25. And I think I think he will, will certainly get a lot of attention. I think from the Democratic side, you're going to see. And again, I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to get some national attention for her win. I think she she will. Uh but I think on the Democratic side, you're going to see Wes Moore, the, the new governor of Maryland, black man, very talented guy. By the way, when I was dean of the Clinton School, he, he came here and spoke. He's a very, very talented guy. Josh Shapiro, the new governor of Pennsylvania, uh, he's one to watch. There are several others. So, yeah, I think one, once we go through all this, Lauren, we start seeing people that have won in different races and stuff like that, you're going to see some emerging people. And, and I— I have not studied it enough yet. I haven't studied the governor's races or, or, or the state legislature races to, to identify all those yet. But there will be some on both sides of the aisle. Right. And this may seem obvious, but the secretary of state races that we were referring to earlier, that's significant because? Because they, they are the ones that count the votes. They're the ones that certify the elections. They're the ones that when people say 
you know, you're cheating and you're not counting the ballots right. It, take Brad Raffensperger in Georgia, the Secretary of State Republican, who said Biden won the state legitimately in 2020 and the Trump people just went wild. And now you got a, you know, investigation going on about were they trying to overturn the election. So Secretary of State's an important position in terms of election integrity and fairness. And as you look at this, and we may see more with all these things when all the final votes come out, but, you know, last night was pretty smooth in terms of election. I mean, it was not, you weren't hearing a lot of people screaming and yelling about fraud or abuse. We've got some close contests and there are going to be some ballots coming in late by the by the state rules. Each state's different. But overall, the elections, you know, basically the Secretary of State runs the elections. And John Thurston, who won re-election as Secretary of State, ran the election in Arkansas. And, and I don't think anybody has said there was hanky-panky here. I don't think anybody's alleged that. So Secretary of State's are important. All right. So what are you going to be watching today or for the next uh, week or so when you're turning back on the TV, maybe taking a break for a couple hours today, hopefully. But what to you, what, what's the most important thing to monitor? What what piques your interest the most? Well, you have several things. One, you have the still undetermined Senate races. You have Nevada with the Republicans in the lead, but a lot of votes to be counted. You have Arizona where the Democrats in the lead and a lot of votes to be counted. Uh, you have Georgia, where uh, you could determine, is there going to be a winner or is there going to be a runoff? And if there's a runoff, we're talking December 6th. So we're talking basically a month from now for a runoff. So you'll be watching those contested races. Catherine Cortez Masto has a shot in Nevada because a lot of the votes that are out are, are from uh, the Las Vegas area, where she runs strong. So those will be ones to, to watch. I mean, uh, Laxalt could hold on in Nevada. Uh, Arizona could go either way. The one the governor's race in Arizona is very close. That's the election denier, Carrie Lake, who, if she wins, will make a splash on the national scene because basically she becomes the face now uh, after most everybody else has been defeated. And then it's finally, it sounds like um, if or when uh, former President Trump potentially announces uh, his candidacy, the Republicans may have a little bit of a tough decision to make coming up uh, with how things went. Yeah, again, with the highest respect to President Trump, he's very unpredictable. So who knows whether he just just because he said it, doesn't necessarily make it so that he's going to announce on the 15th. But if you read the media reports, and he, he wasn't very happy with the outcomes last night. So I would not be surprised to see him announce. Well, Skip, thank you so much. Well, thank you for this having me. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch, and uh, I'm sure the excitement will, con- <laughs> will continue. It, it will. It sure will. Thank you. Thanks. You can continue to follow election news on ArkansasOnline.com forward slash elections. Thanks for listening to Capital and Scott.